Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 369 on Tuesday, the 1st of December, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where if you're trying newish tech, it appears you can absolve yourself of any responsibility for managing your own trip, we'll be discussing how we soon know if people will go green with envy. We'll also ask if it will be top to toe whilst driving home for Christmas. And we have started our advent calendar. It took him a while, but he, he's excelled himself this evening. Thank you. But first, quick bit of follow-up from me, and that is that the green number plates will go live on the 8th of December this year, that you can add them to your new or used zero-emission car. Just to be clear, I have reread this article about 17 times to make sure that it wasn't a PR stunt that I had not paid attention to. No, you don't have to, by the way. No. You can, but you don't have to. One other very quick piece of follow-up, and that's that the not so long ago we talked about Alistair Sims and his team driving from Land's End to Johnny Groats and breaking the record for time to do it in an EV, including charging. We also, the other week, talked about Zero Carbon World, which is what we were saying about the EV chargers for the hospitality industry and small businesses so that they could have EV chargers, which in turn will make them more attractive places for people to go. I didn't realize that the two were linked, and the linking point in there is Formula Eraser Alistair Sims, who's behind the Zero Carbon World initiative as well. The reason we're mentioning it here, there's an article on Autocar, and it's really interesting. It's a, it's a little short one, but it sort of explains all of that together, and it's kind of cool to see a Formula E driver who is actually out there and trying to personally make a difference to how easy it is to run EVs uh, in the real world. Didn't realise how long it had been going. No, well, me neither. Nine years, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really interesting article, that one. Right, we're going to move on to uh, the first of the new news, and this is very odd and murky and just quite messy. Yeah, we were talking about this before we, we started recording, before we went, we went live, and it's it's just weird. I don't know if it's naive or weird or what. but So so how it started was that uh, over the weekend, a few prominent papers published a, an article off the back of a report and research saying that electric cars need to go nearly 50,000 miles before they equalise their carbon footprint. They can become net zero. Yeah, well, it's before they beat those of a pe- petrol car. Uh, yes. It is. Yes. Sorry. It's fifty thousand more miles. Essentially, it has to go before it becomes as eco-friendly as a as an internal combustion car. So that got picked up on by plenty of people who are, are interested in EVs and greener mobility and stuff like that. And some pretty big holes were found to be within the information put in. For instance, that. To be a little bit more accurate, you should be saying it's about 16,000 miles for the break-even rather than 48,000 miles in the report. There's some holes in the report, but then it gets weirder uh, uh, still. Yeah. (laughs) And that's when you look into the PR company that had been pushing this report about and promoting it called Clarendon Communications – and then it it's very weird because there's apparently a link or st- looks like there's a link between someone who works for Aston Martin and all this. 
So well, it's quite serious. Yeah, it's it's quite, and if there is, it's quite a serious link. And then it seems to just be a sort of almost nothing company. It's a with, shell company with, type. Yeah, front for this, and it there's a couple of ways of looking at it. You can look at this, and there is no definitive proof to say that this is definitely how this has gone around. By the way, but this is just what people have put together in the space of over the weekend and doing some very simple investigation on that their internet. So it's not like private investigators have been hired or anything like this. They've just searched publicly available information on the internet. And at best, this looks like a very clumsy report that has been backed by companies who should have checked it better for facts mm-hmm. and figures and found out whether they were accurate or not at worst it looks like (laughs) it's uh, just an absolute load of nonsense that's been pushed forward from a group of uh, companies in the motoring world in the uk and that's not a good look (laughs) whatever whatever it is in this none of this is a good look for whoever put this report forward yeah yeah, it's 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 not great, and it'll be interesting to see if the companies that are apparently part of this or who have backed this report will now actually take some public steps away from this report and go. Oops, sorry, we didn't realise it was that or that. Yeah, it's and and it, there is a bit which says they're not even necessarily companies that backed the report, but oh no, pardon me, sorry, they were listed in the report. I will shut up. That was wrong. I would fully, if if you're interested in finding out more about this, I would fully uh, recommend that you click through on the link in the show notes. It's a LinkedIn article that's written by one of the people who looked into this uh, and found out some of the information. And you can see the sort of timeline and the bits that they looked into. Again, this is this is nothing. No dodgy searching has gone on. This is just stuff that's available. Yeah, it's to you, you me, anyone. It's just so odd. It's. It's very odd and poor. Yeah. If it is the case, it is rather amateurish and disappointing. Yes. More than anything else, it's amateurish and disappointing. Yeah. Take us to France then, please, Alan. Yes, I will. So Renault have have said that their factory at Flan, which currently makes the Zoe EV and the Nissan Micra Super Mini. Yes, the Nissan Micra is actually still made and available. It's easy to miss it, I know. Is going to stop being a manufacturing site. Manufacturer of the Zoe is going to move to Douai in northern France, mm-hmm. uh, right up by the Belgian border. So it's uh, D O U A I. So those those of us who who drive across France and hit that sort of northern bit. Uh, quite often we'll have seen signs for it. I had no idea what was actually there. I didn't know there was a Renault factory there. And any other new EVs which Group Renault uh, launch are going to be made in in China. So the Dacia Spring, uh, which was announced a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. then that it's going to be produced in China and then and then imported. So what's going to happen to Flan? Well, Flan is going to be. <laughs> titled the, oh, this is so French, the Refactory. So Re-Factory, which I'm sure that the uh, Académie Française will have a, a, a word or two, definitely not a franglais word or two, to, uh, to, to say about uh, as a title. Uh, but the idea is that 
it's it's called a refactory because what they're going to do is retrofit, re-energy, recycle, and restart uh, the four sort of core activities that they want to have happening at Flan. And it's essentially about dismantling end-of-life EVs, recycling the part or reusing uh, recycling, refurbishing the parts so that they can be small drum roll, please reused and in new or refurbed vehicles. Well, I'm glad you've explained that because the quote in the autocar article was that Renault wanted this to become, uh, and, and this is the quote from Renault themselves, Europe's leading circular economy factory dedicated to mobility. And I was going to ask you, what on earth does that word salad mean? But now I understand. <laughs> it's a recycling centre. It's basically what it is. It's going to be, it's going to be a recycling centre. Now, uh, so I was watching the latest Johnny Smith YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't subscribe to the Late Break show on YouTube, you probably should. Yes, he's annoyingly good. He's he really annoyingly, annoyingly interesting as well. Because uh, he was at Zero EV and they were talking about the fact that they buy up, essentially, EV bits from Scrappies and do a lot of refurbishing themselves. Mm. So without actually building these into new vehicles... Well, sorry, let me go back a little bit. The guys from Zero EV were explaining why certain parts are why certain parts are more desirable than others from different vehicles mm-hmm. because of the way they're made or the form factor they take and all that kind of thing. I think it's really interesting that that this is the mass commercialization of that type of activity, obviously centered around sort of Renault and, and possibly Nissan. Who knows? Probably not even Renault and being able to to make use of those parts and to do it on a on a commercial level so that if you have a problem if you have uh, if there is a failure you know you can buy you don't have to buy a new motor from your Renault dealer they maybe offer a Renault refurbished motor mm-hmm. and that kind of thing which again it keeps cars on the road yeah, yeah. for longer and it cuts down on waste and energy use and and all sorts of things which we which aren't good. As well as I, I guess they could take sort of yeah could refurbish parts from vehicles sold in Europe and they might export those to, and use them to build new you know refurb them and then use them to build new vehicles, uh, new EVs in uh, maybe third world countries. So what's the little one in India is the one I'm thinking of the Renault um, quid quid yeah. Yeah, but there's there's two points to that, that that I think are interesting. One is that ties exactly in with the previous article where they were talking about the life cycle. One of the things pointed out in how the calculations were incorrect was the life cycle of the vehicle and how mm. so many vehicles get exported from Britain, for example, and go off to Africa or you know third world countries. I hadn't realised that until I'd read that article. Yeah. Actually. I hadn't realized as much of that, you know. With EVs, there will be a market for that. But also, part of the people being up in arms about the 2030 thing is, well, hang on, a 10-year-old Nissan Leaf is not going to be that great because of the battery life, etc. But if they are going in and recycling and rejuvenating the battery and it can be economically replaced 
or fairly mm. economically replaced. That that makes the, the the life of a Nissan Leaf then, for example, or a Zoe or whoever, it, so it, much it, longer, and it means we can get quicker to zero emission vehicles. Yeah, and not just that, but people say, oh, well, the cost of the battery is going to be so high. Well, it's not going to be a new battery that goes in. It's going to be the refurbished one. And you, and the one that gets taken out will have value itself as well. And But but then you think if if we start to try and think about these things a little bit clever, if, say, a local council has a car club and say these cars can mm. only go within 50 miles or 30 miles or within the council boundary, then you don't need one mm. that has a... 200 mile range at that point no you need it to be able to be to go to and back to this one base so you know 100 Mm. miles or whatever it is and then be recharged rapidly and that's and that sort of thing so then and i think this is part of the the thing that frustrates me with the argument about mobility and transport at the minute there seems to have to be there has to be this one solution that fits everybody now instead of thinking these things through and like yeah, but what do they need for that? And I think that's what people we've all got to adapt to is what what do we need for this journey we we are trying to do? But people aren't very good at choosing what they need for that journey as well, and that's half the issue. You know, yeah. the people. You know what I mean? We've the, not had to do the, it though. Have you know we? what I mean? The the five hundred mile bladder club. Yeah, but we've not had to do it either, have we? Because we have had these cars for quite a while that we can do if we wanted three or four hours without stopping. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's. We shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> well, most no, people should. Exactly. Well, I try not to, as a matter of road safety. Yeah. <laughs> so, help is required for everyone to start changing their thinking. And, and good luck at the minute, because uh, as we said last week, this society is not very good at adapting to change at the moment. No. <laughs> we're, we're quite resistant to it. But I, I've taken us way off topic. But I thought I thought that that was really interesting that these things can be used like that yeah i think it's a really cool initiative which it also by the way the people who work at flat and choisy nearby will be retrained to continue working at, at flat yeah as well uh, i think it's a really interesting plan i really hope it works i thought it had such a silly name at the beginning i was like oh what a load of rubbish and the further i read down the autocar article it'll be linked in the show notes then the the more i sort of got was like oh Ooh, this is quite clever, actually. And it also, on top of that, diversifies Renault's portfolio. And yeah, well, the, because the, the they, they've been struggling, clearly, mm. as is Nissan. So they they need to look at different different ways of doing business. Speaking of different ways of doing business, do you want to tell us about something which is only really going to affect people who go to Cornwall? Well, it's coming back from Cornwall is the big thing. But this is this is one of the unexpected, or or what, perhaps one of those bits about the whole pandemic that we forget or not realize but the tamar bridge and the tour point ferry was going to have to raise their tolls because of the drop in the number of uh, journeys due to the restrictions on us moving around they were going to have to put everything they're basically just going to double the prices so from one pound to two pound but the government has stepped in and given them a grant of 1.6 million which means that they're going to keep it at still at a pound Sorry, two pound for if you just rock up and throw your your money in, or a pound if you do the prepaid. I just didn't realise how badly they'd been hit <laughs> with mm. with lack of income, but it affects so much, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It, it's it, it actually makes can can make a massive difference because there were months there where 
you know, we, we look out our windows and we see people moving around. And it's what I said last week in that people are moving locally. But once you go out, there's far, far less travel between points of habitation, really, in the UK at the minute. Mm. And this kind of thing suffers. And the, M- the folks behind the M6 tour will be the same. Yeah. Speaking of which, the point when people start to start to travel around, it's Christmas. Mm. A couple of things. First of all is that there's going to be a travel czar, so that means it's going to be a complete Christmas disaster. Travel in, a Christmas Oh, it's not even a travel czar. It's a cheap oh, wizard. Yes, exactly. You're only a short-term pickled czar or whatever. I really dislocated my eyes rolling them that much when I read that. <laughs> yes, it is one of those one of those ones. Just read. Read the, the strap line to this article because it just... Do I have it, to. It, if ever there was a thing that was made out as though it was going to be awful before anyone had got near it. <laughs> okay, so it's a Guardian article, and it's uh, the headline is, Christmas travels are appointed to oversee COVID-hit UK networks. And then the strap line is, Sir Peter Hendy tasked with minimising transport chaos during five-day festive getaway. <laughs> if those two sentences don't just make you want to lock the door and stay inside over christmas then i don't really know what will Mm. but yes he's in charge of making sure that that train air and road networks will be ready for millions of people moving around and stuff well it's going to be easy because he's going to have to go into a rant isn't he he's going to have like five people in the air 20 people on a train and then everyone else on the road (laughs) yeah 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 i know that's essentially going to be it. So the roads will be... Bi- this is your advance warning of Christmas travel chaos. Yes. Oh, we can have um, weeks of those headlines. Oh, lucky us. Oh, I know. Carmageddon, so, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I can't escape it by going to France this year. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, sadly not. No. Look out for that, folks. Just plan early, try and... I was going to say stagger your journey, but that makes it sound like you've been hitting the bob first. Um, but, you know, uh, do try and avoid any of the peak times. The peak times are the time that you probably would have travelled anyway. Try not to. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty, whatever happens. But it's okay, because the RAC is going to help out all these broken-down vehicles that haven't really moved for 10 months this year. Because they've now they are rolling out an upgrade to their unique heavy duty patrol vans, so it's the uh, Isuzu pickups that they've got a special body on the back of, and they're low bodied so they can get into multi stories and all the rest of it, which we were talking about before. We don't think that's going to be their main area of focus in the five day travel chaos. No, it's no. going to be the motorways, <laughs> lots and lots of motorways. <laughs> they've actually added features to the rear body that means that they can deal with a wider range of vehicles. So that will be SUVs, 4x4s, vans, hybrids, and fully electric vehicles. Now, that's obviously becoming more and more important as that technology Mm -hmm. is rolled out more and more across and more people register the cars and then more of them are on the road. Uh, And so while they're perhaps getting used to the foibles of them and the 
changes in their behavior to maximize the most out of the electricness or the zero emissionness mm-hmm. of it all. Sometimes people get caught a bit short. They've got these emergency charging bits that will get them so they can get to the nearest charging points for properly and all that sort of stuff. So I, I just think this was a, a slightly left field, but it works very well with the fact that there's going to be so many cars on the road and people are seriously not used to driving this year. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be dark, wet, cold. It's mm. Agreed. Speaking of the seriously not used to, to driving, it's been quite interesting, the feedback we've had on that lunchtime read that we talked about the other week. Mm. The Porsche one with the, the psychologist lady. Yes. And the video that went along with that. Quite a lot of people... I know this isn't the lunchtime read slot, but quite a lot of people have fed back and said, yeah, that's exactly how I feel when I'm driving and it's it's something I miss. Mm. So I think that that's, that's a good point that, yeah, the people are missing missing the, the, the quiet time that the, the driving gives. Yep. Yeah, I think it's the end of the first part, yeah. Anyway, shall I move to what I was meant to be doing now, which is talking about giving guilt minute. As I said, it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. And different levels of, of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store, from stickers to mugs and T-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thanks very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you. Right, Formula E and some dun-dun-dun news. Audi will be leaving Formula E at the end of the next season. There's a change in its long-term strategy. So it will be encompassing both an electric entry into the Dakar from 2022. And from 2023, they'll be re-entering sports car racing with the Le Mans Daytona hybrid car. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if uh, Volkswagen Group are pulling out entirely from Formula E. Of course, there's Porsche there as well but interestingly the Audi team was abbed originally yes that's true sorry sorry i just interrupted you there but what i found interesting and hardly anybody mentioned is vw motorsports is shutting yes i noticed that as well yeah so no greasy volkswagens that will be no v polo rally cars even for customers uh oh i don't know about that possibly not but then they might in the well not have been selling very well yeah maybe need to ask rich gooding about that he would know he absolutely would but then the skoda fabia based ones seem to be far more popular anyway mm. so you know skoda are doing very well in the uh wrc2 and, and downwards in in rallying so yeah. so they are well represented there and you know remember a couple of years ago um, at the start of Dieselgate, they said, no, actually, we're going to only have one, you know, one of our brands in each in each level of, in each type of motorsport. The fact that they've gone a season, two, uh, two seasons now, mm. gone two seasons in Formula E with both Audi and Porsche uh, seems a little bit 
a little bit weird. Well, you say that, but if you look at sports car and endurance racing, you have Audi, you have Porsche, you have Bentley, you have Lamborghini all racing against each other. So uh, I does make up most of the group. Yeah, I I don't hold. I don't think that argument holds much water, and I just think that's a a convenient excuse that is thrown out by the the powers that be um because it's 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 only true in the places where they decide to make it true oh, well probably all, all companies are a bit like that though that's what tends to happen yeah but the other point for this that makes me a little bit worried is that companies might start because of obviously the financial issues across the globe and particularly if you are a European based manufacturer <laughs> with the EU CO2 stuff on top of things, mm. that you are, this year is particularly, uh, particularly hard financially and next year will be as well. I hope this doesn't lead to a precedent or doesn't lead to other manufacturers then going, you know what, for what we get, this is because extreme E is already generating a lot of excitement isn't it and it's a i don't think it's going to be held back by the criticisms that formula e has got some obviously unfairly and others perhaps a bit more fairly um, because it it's not I mean, for, let's hold off and see because it's still it's still new and show new and shouty yeah at the minute extremely it's it's got that first startup all the noise they've got a couple of big names yeah but you know what's what the will happen in the <laughs> what will happen at the end of the first year yeah, yeah i know that at the end of the first year formula e was on a knife edge it really was as to whether or not there would actually be a second mm. uh, and it came right down to I, I believe the the last race or the last two races when they actually managed to get the coverage and the support uh, the financial backing so extreme e great lots of noise but i wouldn't be running off to that and you'll notice that audi aren't running off their their either no no it's they're a, going off to do an they're going off to do an electric dakar entry yeah you know as well as but as, there as well are as the only so many so, hours in the day and eyes that can watch stuff so it's making it's, it's formally true, but, making sure that they still have an exciting yes but being very consultancy about it, it's an exciting product that people want to spend time with. You know, uh, gosh, what a surprise! Uh, but it, it's true. You, you're right. You, yes, I, I agree. But I, I'm not saying it is going to happen. I'm just saying I hope it isn't going. Others go. Ah, oh, well, they've gone, so that makes it easier for us to go. That is that. That would be the worry. But on the other hand, they say no Porsche staying there. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. It, it, what will be interesting is how soon they can announce someone filling Audi's franchise slot for Formula E. Yeah, because there's um, one season on they've got left. But it's yeah, and it's one season of the Generation Two yeah. car, and then it moves to Generation Three. So, but so that's actually quite a good time to come in if you're a new franchise because you get one season of practice. Yeah, no expectation. Two car. Yeah, minimal expectations, and you can focus on the second year. Well, that's how I'd pitch it anyway, but mm. then I'm a consultant, and we've just said we're being awfully consultancy. So. Yeah, yeah, we are available for hire. Mm, absolutely. Right, uh, just a quick one to remind everybody, the WRC title decider, or titles, 
deciding event at Monza is starting this Thursday. Oh, I, I can't wait to see it because I, I, I just want to see what it's going to be like. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be unlike anything else this season, and this has been a mad season. <laughs> um, it's but it's been, been it's going to be unlike anything we've seen for quite a while, and it's all down to the wire as well. Do we know what the best place will be to watch that? By the way, probably. How can us mere mortals? Us watch mere it? mortals, we can see highlights on Red Bull TV, which That's is free. It is free. You and may you need to get an app, Apple TV, and stuff. You may need to get an app. Um, it, I know it works on the Xbox. They've got an app there, and I a- think you can Apple get it on TV, YouTube as well. I'm not sure. Apple TV and iDevices, it works. Yeah. So uh, if you don't yeah. have, I think WRC might do something live, but I'm not sure. Oh, but right, that's okay. paid. Well, I, don't, I don't have that. And subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So take us to the lunchtime watch. Lunchtime watch this week is. Well, I thought it was interesting, but you might disagree. No, no, I do. I think it was interesting. It was the... <laughs> you completely missed the joke. Never mind. It was the... It, ah, yes. It's uh, a YouTube video by uh, American designer Michael DiTullo, who's quite active on Twitter. He's, he's very interesting. He's got a background in product and industrial design, particularly footwear, believe it or not. Yep. But he's done a, a, a nice nine-minute video and it's it's called the strategy of polarizing design, uh, and the two examples he takes are the the Tesla Cybertruck and the Sony PlayStation Five, because they're very topical. But polarizing design has been dividing people quite a lot recently. <laughs> Hello, BMW. <laughs> And there's been lots of debates and lots of arguments about and why is this a good idea and why should they shouldn't be doing this and. Uh, Personally, I don't like it, but he also talks through maybe some of the economics of it and that kind of thing. It's really interesting nine-minute watch. Yes. Uh, it deserves quite a lot of attention because it's it's so nicely thought through and described and, and discussed. And it's not just about cars. And it's, ex- and it's explained to muggles like myself in a way that I can mm. understand it, not just you crayon-wielding designer types. He uses very short words. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well worth your nine minutes. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I like and subscribe. Huh? But it's 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 worth it. So yeah. so do do take nine minutes to, to watch that. If nothing else, it might just calm you down a little bit for the next BMW concept car. It helps give an appreciation of where they're coming from. Doesn't mean that you will like mm. what they do, but you no. may not be so baffled. Yeah, you might like have an idea of why they do it. <laughs> like we yeah, all, I mean, we're yeah. all baffled, but <laughs> there is possibly some method to the madness. <laughs> yeah, there isn't. There isn't a chapter in actively insulting your your client, no, your end customer that's, base. Though, that's, so that's that's uh, another future video. Great. Polarizing your possible customers. <laughs> I know. Right, so let's go to something that isn't polarizing, and that is the list of the week, and the simplest cars ever made. Another Ronan Glon list. He's done He's done some crackers, actually, in auto he's car. Good. And there's uh, 21 slides where we go through some of the most um, simple designs and engineered cars. Doesn't mean that they are not enticing to drive, doesn't mean they're not fun, and it doesn't mean that they haven't lived on for ages. There are ones in there that you would expect, but 
I'm. Uh, have you got? Have you got one you can pick out? But my one, to be honest, is the Dacia Logan. Okay. Uh, which is what happens when you get an out-of-date Renault Clio chassis, beef it up, and then make it so that stuff like suspension parts can be used on all four The same part can be used on all four corners because it's symmetrical in multiple dimensions that the front and rear win, you know, the windows for the front door and the windows for the rear door are the same glass. So this is one of the most cleverly designed modern cars that I can think of because it's, you know, it's like all four door handles are the same, all that kind of stuff. There is a lot to commend a Logan from a clever design point of view, way cleverer than any of these thousand horsepower supercars and hypercars that keep getting unveiled at Geneva. The Logan is head and shoulders above all of those for me. Sorry, I'll stop now. I completely agree with you because the constraints, the constraints Mm. involved with producing that vehicle and they've still managed to make something that does look remotely desirable and is, as you say, is so clever from an economics point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the designers and the engineers and the accountants must have all worked together so closely, which is just, it's just, uh, yeah, I really do appreciate that sort of, that sort of work. Yeah. And that's why they've sold over 4 million of them. So, yeah, super clever. That must be Renault's most profitable vehicle by a country mile at the moment. Possibly. (laughs) That and that and the quid, you know. Any that jumped out to you? Oh, there's so many. There's about half a dozen, really. Mm. One for me is the Lada Neva. Yeah, I. Yeah, get it. it yeah, it just such. It it's just so rugged, so simple, but it does what it says in a very agricultural way. Yet. Because it's an agricultural way, you can take a hammer to it, <laughs> things like that, uh, and mm-hmm. and it'll and it'll keep going. And I, I, again, built from constraints. Yeah, Con- constraints actually bring out some really awesome, awesome products. Yeah, there were others in there that I I really do like and wish I could drive as well. Oh, there's ones I would quite happily own. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give us some festive cheer. Yes, festive cheer, please, Alan. Yes, well, it's the first of, as we record this, it's the 1st of December. By the time you listen to this, it will be at least the 2nd of December. Um, And it's just to remind you that John Mayle is doing his auto advent uh, again this year. So if you are annoyingly knowledgeable about cars, and I mean, this always disappoints me because I just, I never get these at all. And I reckon that I bit nerdy on some of these subjects then do follow along the hashtag is is auto advent 20 and the idea is that uh, you've got to sort of have an idea of what the four vehicles are and uh, how their names are connected for example in today's that was today's and i have no i i mean i know what a mini is it a traveler or a countryman you see that's for the point that you get to because that's not very obvious <laughs> And then how does that link in with the other three, which I have no idea what they are. Uh, there's something American, something that looks like it might be. At least two it American might be things American. There. Uh, It could be Australian, though. So, yeah, th- so this is the problem, and it's it's full of incredibly 
clever things like that. Yeah. So, But in the show notes, there is a link straight to the hashtag AutoAdvent20, and also there is a link to John Mayle's uh, Twitter account as well. Well worth following for other stuff, especially yeah. some motoring paraphernalia and automobilia and stuff that he connect, collects, drawings and, and things. Yep. He and I had a bit of a discussion about Hooper-bodied Rolls Royces at the weekend. As I ramped out my Rolls Royce the first 80 years by Edward Eaves. <laughs> Thrilling stuff. Parish notes this week there was a special edition out last Friday about the Mercedes Vito, yep. the 119 CDI premium panel van, which hopefully is more interesting than I've just made it sound. <laughs> yes. Well, I thought it was interesting. Quite a fun one. It was quite a fun one to record, so that normally means it's relatively interesting. There'll be another special edition out on Friday, yes. this coming Friday. Next Monday is Zoom Zoomers as well. It's the first one of the, the first Monday of the month. Mm -hmm. There'll be a Zoom Zoomers. I'll be joining Damien Cross and all the usual gang. Eight o'clock on YouTube there. And that's about it, I think, for, for Parish Notes. Nothing else I needed to add to that? Don't think so. No? Well, in which case, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer and all the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, and if people would like to know more about the nerdy facts that you do actually know, what's the best way for them to get in touch personally? Well, Twitter seems to work quite well with well for that, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back pretty soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>